Hey, y'all, thanks so much for listening to the show. Before we start, quick plug for another show, Up First. It's NPR's morning news podcast. Up First is about 12 minutes long, and it's produced and posted at 6 a.m. every weekday morning. The show makes you real smart, real fast, and I listen every day. You can hear Up First on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, y'all. This is Sam's Aunt Betty. This week on the show, New York Times reporter Katie Rogers and NPR film critic Bob Mondello. All right, let's start the show. She's so good at that. She's good. Also, side note, when Betty said, hey, y'all, Bob said, hey. (laughs) Hey, y'all, Sam Sanders here. It's been a minute. No theme music. Each week we begin with a different song. I'll explain this one in a second. But first, my friend Katie Rogers, you know her from our first episode. She's back. Hey, guys. Hey, Sam. And one of my faves of all time, Bob Mondello's film critic of note. (laughs) Thank you, Bob. You were out for a few weeks, but you're back in town and you're on our show and we're very grateful. I'm it's good to be back. Boy, is it good to be back. So we're here to talk about what happened this week. Obviously, Harvey is the big story these past few days. So we're going to switch up the format of the show a bit to accommodate that. But first, I will tell you about this song. You guys know it? No, but I like it. Yeah, yeah me too. So this song is by Houston's favorite rapper. His name is Bun B. There's actually a Bun B day in Houston. Like, he's a big deal. Been around for a long time. Half of the great rap supergroup UGK. Anyway, this song is from Bun B's solo album, Trill, which came out in 2005 when I was in college and I played this oh. thing to death. So this takes me way back. Baby Sam. Yeah, grew up baby with Sam. Bun-B. Yeah. And I'm playing Bun B because he's actually organizing a telethon for mid September oh, wow. to help wow. out uh, with victims of Harvey in Houston. But, Wrinkle, he uh, told TMZ that if Donald Trump wants to come to this telethon, there are conditions. Such as? Don't come alone. He said you can only come if other presidents come with you. He told TMZ, quote, after what he did in Charlottesville, he's not a symbol of unity and it would rub people the wrong way. I wonder if he would even consider it. I don't think he'll be there. Yeah, I don't either. But but that's interesting. That's an yeah, that's interesting. Right. I also is getting to be a very, a very strange recovery. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. not even just that. The, The whole Arts interaction with the presidency. Has oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, there's the Kennedy right. Center Honors, right. this annual tradition in D.C. He yeah. didn't go, or he's not. Going. He's not going. Go. And yeah. several artists said that they won't go if he goes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his arts council recently disbanded as well. As well, right? They, yeah. they all resigned on mass. Wow, wow. Well, we're going to see what happens. So normally in this part of the show, we would each describe our week of news and culture and everything in three words. Um, We're going to do three words, and I think that all of ours are going to be about Houston. But we're going to make this kind of a lightning round to get to some calls with folks from Texas. That said, who wants to go first? Three words for the week. I will. Go. Do it. Water, water everywhere. It's Coleridge, but it's also all about what's happening in Houston, mm-hmm. what's happening in India, yeah, what's happening there. Uh, melting the Arctic ice caps. Uh, water, water everywhere. Yeah. Katie, you're next. I mean, mine was mine's all along the same vein, really. It's help out Houston. I think, yeah. you know, I, I don't think any of us know yet quite how bad it will be, but I spent the first part of the week sort of figuring out, you know, if I were going to donate, how would I do that and where could I do that and... And there are um, questions about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. There are. I mean, the the sad thing that happens in the age of social media is that every time there's a national disaster, I'm always kind of amazed in a bad way that scammers sort of pop up with like the GoFundMe stuff or oh, like yeah. there are ways to protect against that. Um, I think the IRS sort of has a service. I think huh. there's a site called Charity Navigator, yes, which has like well. verified right. organizations. Because nobody, I mean, we shouldn't have to feel like in the wake of something like this that the help that people want to give will yeah. be used for yeah. You know, well, to remember, not help people. Yeah, yeah send it money. Really is. Yeah. But check out where you send the money to first. Yeah. You know, my three words are thoughts and prayers mm-hmm. uh, because I think of those words and the question I ask after disasters like these is what is the correct way to respond? Right. You know, um, there's been several mass shootings. There always are in this country, but the last several people have said, well, thoughts and prayers is not the right thing to say because mm-hmm. thoughts and prayers are not enough. We need action on this thing. And that's one big part of, like, how we as a country respond. What is the right thing to say? What is the wrong thing to say? Mm -hmm. And in the aftermath of Harvey, 
rightly so, people are commending the people of Texas for trying to bounce back as strongly as possible. But there are some larger questions about what it means to build a city like Houston on what's basically a swamp and Mm -hmm. what it means to keep developing over wetlands that would serve as a natural buffer to these places. Mm -hmm. And like, at what point can you ask those questions? Is it appropriate to do so? I don't know. Increasingly, when these type of disasters happen, I have more and more questions every time. Sure. Yeah. Uh, All right. Instead of doing our long distance segment later on, we're going to do it now. And we'll start with a call to Becky Wright. Uh, Becky lives in Refugio, Texas. This is a tiny town of about 3,000 people. It's not too far out from Corpus Christi. And Mm. this is where you'll recall uh, the storm first hit land as a Category 4 hurricane. And so we uh, talked with Becky before this call. Uh, For about six hours, that storm sat over her in her hometown uh, with 130-mile winds. Oh, man. It was was something. Um, Becky, you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you? I'm doing Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I'm sure you were going through so much. Not a problem. You're on the phone uh, with me, Sam, and two of my good friends, Katie and Bob. Say hi, guys. Hey, hey. Becky. Glad you're okay. Hello. Thank you so much. So you, um, we know a bit of your story, but I want you to tell it to me again here, if that's okay. Um, you're in Refugio, which got uh, hit pretty badly by the storm, and the storm kind of just sat over that town for a while when it first hit landfall. From what I understand, you and a ton of family just rode it out in your house? Yes, in my house. So what happened with that? How many folks were there, I guess, first? Well, I had a total of 19 in my house. Oh, my goodness. Um, Yes, and ranged in the age from my little nephew, one year old, to my grandmother, which is 85 years old. How big is your house? Uh, My house is a three-bedroom, two-bath home. Oh, my goodness. So the storm hit? Overnight when it came in, about 3 a.m. Um, yes. At that point, you guys all just sat there in the house and waited? Well, um, the worst part of it was, like you said, about 3 a.m. And we had mattresses on the floor in the living room and in my dining room as well. And we kind of just hung out for a little while and tried to not think about the storms, not try to hear the wind roaring outside. And, Were you scared? Um, I was very terrified. Um I'm one to get very nervous with any kind of storms like this. And for me to stay in town and ride it out was not something I normally would do. What made you want to stay? I didn't want to leave my family. Okay. Yeah. I hear you. I hear Uh, you. My mom did not want to leave and my grandmother did not want to leave. So I I stayed. I didn't want to leave them. What did town Um, officials say to do? Like, did the mayor say everyone get out? Okay. Mandatory. Mandatory evacuation. And... Many of us um, here in Refugio County chose not to evacuate just because in the past there's been mandatory evacuations where we actually did leave and Mm -hmm. it ended up turning and didn't come our way. And I guess that's kind of what we expected. And that's the worst. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's so funny. I'm from Texas as well. And when I heard the first reports of Harvey, I said, oh, it'll die down in the Gulf. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And with tons of these storms, you really don't know how bad it's going to be until it gets there. That's right. And it did actually turn into a Category 4 kind of at the last minute before it hit. So, uh, you know, we had no choice um, because I did say in the beginning, if it turns into a 4, I'm leaving. I'm yeah. gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the time it turned into a 4, it was too late. It wow. was too late to run and and go anywhere. So that night when it hits and it's hard and it's you and 19 people, what do you guys do as you're waiting here in these winds knocking around at like 130 miles an hour? Um, as we're in the living room, we just all gathered hands and said some prayers and and hope that we would live to tell our story. We prayed probably three times through the night and actually got the Bible out and took turns reading scriptures out of the Bible with a flashlight. You know, it's it's so interesting to hear you talk about praying in the eye of the storm. I pray a lot, but I have never had to pray in the center of a hurricane. What does that kind of prayer sound like? What did you pray? Um, there was um, some of James, um, just different scriptures. Um, I mean, we did say some our fathers, we had said some Hail Marys. We, we just asked God to protect us, to die down the wind, to... Um, keep my roof on my house just to make the storm pass quickly and 
just kept asking him, please don't take my roof, please don't take my roof. Wow. And, uh, we did have roof damage. We had a two-inch hole in one of, part of my house um, where water was pouring in. It was very hot. So your power went out? You had no AC? No AC. Oh, power man. went out probably around 10, 10 p.m. Oh, man. Oh. When did it finally let up? Uh, not till about 6.30 in the morning. That sounds like so a right long night. So right when you night. got daybreak. Yeah, that's a long night. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it was very, very long. You know, yeah. I was looking at coverage of your town in the aftermath of the storm, and I've heard reports that say every building in Refugio, every single one, was damaged. Yes. What does it look like and feel like in your town right now? Well, you know, I go back and forth from Raymondville, where I'm staying at a hotel, and driving into town, it's it's devastating um, mm. to see your hometown this way. But um, we have a great community helping us to rebuild. Um, we definitely wouldn't be where we are today with the cleanup and the everything that has we're trying to rebuild right now if we didn't have help from all the surrounding communities um, in our area. We have people coming from everywhere. And it's not just other folks helping you guys. Um, Brent's telling me now that you've been volunteering at a FEMA center in the midst of having to deal with all that you're going through. I mean, that's really wow. commendable. Yes, well, I work for the um, Referio County Chamber of Commerce. I'm the office manager for them. And we are offering a mobile hotspot with computers for anyone needing to come and apply for FEMA assistance or even just to check their status on their FEMA, um, anything that they need to apply for, whether it be unemployment, workforce solution, um, we're here to offer that for them. Did any of this, Harvey, the aftermath, make you reconsider staying? Definitely. Definitely. I, I, I have already been looking into Irma. Um, I've never been one to track a hurricane, but when I see that Irma is out there in the Atlantic already, um, it makes me worried. And I, I track it now to try to make sure that I am definitely not here. And that yeah. storm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to keep living where you are? I do. I love my town. My town is a great community. Um, not just my town, my county is a great community. Um, but Referio alone is, we are all about football. And okay. it, it's really <laughs> devastating for our boys to not even be able to be on that field tonight. Um, yeah. Let alone be back in school. I'm, they're missing out on getting started in the, their school year. So I definitely do not want to move from here. Um, my home is not livable right now, but um, it will be repaired, and I plan to stay here. All right. Well, we're sending you good vibes as yeah. you and your town recover, All and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thank you. Texans, man. This is They're the thing. Tough. And, and and the thing is, it's like we hear a lot about Houston, as we should, mm. but there are towns like Refugio all up and down the coast that we're not talking about that are going through just as much Mm -hmm. you know the small little the small little guys now is a good time to mention if you listeners want to help out in the relief effort npr has actually assembled a list of organizations that you can support we have a link to that in our episode data of this episode um i also want to thank really quickly my good friend denisha deaces she was able to connect me with becky Thank you, Denisha. I really appreciate it. Hope you're staying dry out there as well. Where's Denisha live? She is from Refugio, but okay. I, mm-hmm. I believe she's in Corpus Christi now. I think she's she, she's okay. <laughs> she's safe. She's yeah. safe, and we're glad she's Good. safe. Thanks, Denisha. Thank you, Denisha. So let's talk about Houston uh, specifically for a bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the numbers are changing continuously, but mm-hmm. as of taping, at least 37 people have died in Houston mm-hmm. uh, due to Harvey. About 32,000 people are in shelters across the state. Governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, said his state will need relief money in excess, far in excess of $125 billion. The White House is preparing a bill, a relief bill, for about $6 billion, with more to come. Um, some 100,000 homes are estimated to be damaged or destroyed. And what's really, really sad is that fewer than 20% of homeowners in Houston 
actually have fire insurance. insurance. Right. Yeah. It's just uh, a grim, grim picture. So I wanted us to call someone up who uh, could give us the lay of the land in Houston. And we reached out to Laura Isensee. She's on the line from Houston Public Media. She's a reporter there. Laura, thanks for being here. You're talking to me, Bob Mondello, and Katie Rogers. How are you? Hey, Laura. I'm doing okay. Hi. You must be exhausted. <laughs> I am a little tired, but, um, you know, we still got some news to cover yeah. here. Well, I mean, like, you've been covering Harvey, but you also live in Houston. Like, are you okay? Is your house okay? Yeah, thanks for asking. I feel like I'm one of the very lucky ones. My house is okay. Um, my family, I have extensive family in Houston, and um, everyone's pretty much okay. Uh, some had to evacuate a little bit, but they're okay and staying with family. Good, good. As far as the scene in the city, you know, the sun came out yesterday from what I'm hearing. What is it like today, Friday morning in Houston? Um, I think it depends where you are. You know, if you're in the central part of the city that had flood water on the street and you couldn't drive around for a few days, things feel kind of normal in this weird way. Yeah, the sun is shining. There's cars on the road. I went to my local taco shop this morning. It's open. But, you know, just like a few miles away, there's still standing water. There's thousands of people in shelters. And so it. I feel like how things are just depends, like, where you live when, the, when Harvey came. Is it all anyone's uh, talking about? I'm sure you haven't talked about anything else in a week, right? Um, like, what are your, no, are your taco really. shop people talking to you? Like, what kind of conversations <laughs> do you have over your morning taco today? Yeah, it's pretty much all Harvey. It's like, yeah. you know, talking about, like, who got flooded? How are people doing? You know, how are people feeling? Mm-hmm. Who's, like, helping, you know, other people clean out? You know, if basically, like, if you didn't flood, people are asking, like, how can I help people yeah. who mm-hmm. did flood? Yeah. How have Houstonians... I know Houston fairly well. Uh, my family actually lived there for a year when I was growing up. Got a lot of family and friends there now. I'm, I'm there a lot just because it's the biggest city in Texas and I'm in Texas a lot. And one of the things I found out this week is like the specific location of certain flood dams in that city. Like I'm sure a lot of mm-hmm. Houstonians found that out this week as well. How much is this storm going to have Houstonians coming back to their city thinking about, you know, whether they're on high enough ground? I mean... Is is there going to be a before Harvey and after Harvey effect for Houstonians? I think so. I mean, this storm has been so devastating for so many people. I feel like either you're going to start asking some of those questions of like, am I on high enough land? Do I need to move? You know, where are these dams that nobody talked about before and so many people didn't realize existed? But I think kind of on the opposite end, I think we're going to have people sort of like kind of saying, well, we're just going to build like bigger and stronger and, you know, kind of like dig in your heels heels a little bit. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, like taking a closer look at flood maps and where you are to the bayous. And yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people in Houston didn't realize until this week that there's these two major reservoirs that are holding back so much water and, and protecting the city from even worse flooding. Yeah. Yeah, I can honestly say I've never thought about where my house sits in regard to, I don't know, water, <laughs> water or, yeah, or forest no, that might else. burn or I've just else. never thought about it. You know, so, Laura, your regular beat is education. Yes. Uh, this was supposed to be back to school time uh, for children across the country. What's up with the school kids of Houston? Are they going to be going to school soon? So the Houston Independent School District, they were supposed to start school this past Monday. And then just yesterday, they announced that they're going to have to delay it until September 11th. But I, it's it's still kind of a big question up in the air of like what school is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Because just like homes were flooded, some schools were flooded. And a lot of districts in the area, not just Houston, which is the largest, but other ones like Fort Bend, it's out in the west side. And they're still trying to go to their schools and see like, can kids even study here? And if not, where are they going to study? And, yeah. you know, and then there's a lot of children who are in shelters right now, teachers who've been uh, displaced. So it's kind of like, how do we put back all these pieces together? Yeah. 
And it's more than just sending children back to schools that may have gotten wet. These are children that have experienced major trauma in some cases and, Mm -hmm. you know, need to have their hearts and their minds settled again before they can learn. So it's going to be a process. Anyway, what are you going to do fun for yourself this weekend to take your mind off the storm? Actually, some friends are getting married. Oh. So I'm going to go to a wedding. um, Good. Celebrate life. Yeah. You have to. I hope you dance the heck out of yourself at that reception. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You've earned it. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, well, thank you for your work in the midst of this storm. Thank you for all your colleagues for telling the story that needs to be told right now. All right. Thank you all. Thanks, Laura. Take care. Take care. All right. Bye. That was Laura Isensee from Houston Public Media. Shout out to all the folks there in that newsroom doing the Lord's work right now. Um, All right. We'll take a break and we'll be right back to swap some funnish stories from the week that was. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Paramount Pictures. Mother is a new psychological thriller from Darren Aronofsky, the director of Black Swan and Requiem for a Dream. A couple's relationship is tested when uninvited guests arrive at their home, disrupting their tranquil existence. Starring Academy Award winners Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem, and Academy Award nominees Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer. Mother arrives in theaters September 15th. Support for It's Been a Minute and the following message come from the Platinum Card from American Express. There's a great big world out there, and no other card lets you experience it like the Platinum Card. Backed by the service and security of American Express. All right, we are back here this week with two of my faves, Katie Rogers, reporter at The New York Times, and Bob Mondello, film critic. I can't tell you how many times I just wander by Bob's desk and I'm like, should I watch this movie? <laughs> this is should true. I, this? I, have a, I have a drawer full of um, Oscar winners from last year. And, and he does. He, he steals them all the time. Bob let me borrow his copy of Sausage Party. Not a great movie. But I have yet to give it back to you. I need to bring it back. Uh, no, please keep it. Keep it. <laughs> that one's yours. Okay, thank you. Uh, now it's time for the meat of this story. The sausage, you might say. I, I, I get it. I get it. I, get it. I saw what you did there. Yeah, yeah. Our story swap. We each talk about some stories from the week that was. But uh, we're going to keep them kind of light this week. And I want to start with Bob because you're going to give us kind of a state of the box office state of the film industry so far this year, huh? Well, yeah, it would be catastrophic. Why the, the is summer, that? The summer was a disaster. It it's it's down almost a billion dollars from last year. Uh, Why? Down over a billion from two years ago. Well, Wonder Woman clicked. and As did uh, the New Guardians of the Galaxy, New right? Guardians and uh, Spider-Man and everything else tanked. I what mean, about Get Out? That was this year. Uh, that was before the summer. Was, uh, was this year? Get Out yeah, was this yeah, year. It was earlier this year. But, but the, the problem is that summer is where Hollywood makes most of its money. It makes mm. over $4 billion every year until this year for the last decade. And if they don't do it when kids are out of school, when people are on vacation, then they're not going to, you know, once the TV season starts again and that kind of thing. Oh, because you're staying home be, to watch TV. Right. It's, it's much harder for them to turn these enormous box office numbers. So they didn't this summer. And that's a real problem yeah. for them. I mean, a lot of a lot of pictures, you know, you can see why they didn't. I mean, who wants to see the fifth Transformer movie or the Everything fifth Everything is like Pirates space of... or like robots or like. Or like there was a like, new Pirates no, of the Caribbean. No, but no. there was. For that. Yeah, no. but there are robots that you want. To, well, they're not robots. Don't don't get in touch with me on this. Transformers um, aren't robots. Well, uh, Transformers are, but uh, replicants are not. And what is we're that? all okay. looking forward to Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Right? Are we? Are, are we, we not? How could you not? I of didn't course watch we the are. First one. Don't I at don't me. Know. I'm not I don't talking know what that to. Is. Oh my goodness. I know. Sorry. <laughs> so besides the caliber of the movies this summer, mm-hmm. are there other structural reasons for this big box office decline? I mean, I can think initially. Well, our folks just streaming more, period? People are probably streaming more, but I don't think that's actually affecting box office yet. Hollywood has lots of reasons that it can look at for not having done a lot of business, but the real answer is that when the public doesn't want to come, no one can stop them, right? (laughs) That's an old Sam Goldwynism, but they didn't want to come and see these pictures. You know, the folks at movie studios are convinced that the reason audiences aren't coming to some movies is because the Rotten Tomatoes score is too low. I totally believe it. Yeah. And well, part of why I went to see Girls Trip is because the Rotten Tomatoes score was so high. Okay. And the but word Rot- mouth was so high. But Rotten it. Tomatoes is a tricky algorithm why? because, well, what the rating says is that 
um, let's say let's say you have a 97% rating. That means that everybody basically likes the picture. But they don't have to like it 97% of the time. They only have to like it like 62%. And that – do you, know, you get what I mean? So like so that if it doesn't matter if it's score, strong like or low like. Right. A if, like they is a gave, like. if they gave it a positive score but a moderately positive score and everybody agrees with that moderately positive score, it ends up being 97. 90, okay. And, and that's, that's tricky. Whereas like a very polarizing film – where if you do love it, you really love it, that can have a lower score because That's it's right. so polarizing. You know, right. usually I end up checking Rotten Tomatoes after I watch a movie and this says something about my taste. It'll be like 23%. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm not above care. a bad movie. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was reading somewhere, though, like in spite of the bad box office, mm-hmm. there were some pretty good movies out this year. I'm thinking of films like Baby Driver. I'm thinking of Girls Trip. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't bad for a film no, and, critic, and it, was it? it? No, it wasn't at all. Here's my guess. About what? I'm just going to interrupt this conversation. Go for it. What are you guessing? Um, I guess that movies aren't collective experiences anymore. There's no more monoculture? movies used to be sort of like akin to an eclipse where everybody goes and and sees. And now they're all going to see Jaws Now there are so few blockbuster types that have broad appeal because... I don't know. Not a, a Wonder Woman is maybe like the almost feels like an exception now. You know, and that wasn't it was even a big for one. everybody. Lots of folks were like, "I'm not going to see that." But and Dunkirk, Dunkirk was a surprise hit. Yeah. It made 179 million dollars or something like that, basically on people talking about how Word much they liked yeah. seeing it Old and seeing it in a group because it, yes. that picture yeah. would not be the same if yeah. you saw it on a small screen. Yeah. Uh, really quickly, two last questions. One: What can these big film studios do to turn things around? Well, what they're going to do, I, I don't, I'm not sure what they can do, but what they're going to do is give you more of the same. I mean, But it's not working. I know, but they, <laughs> we've got the Star Wars movie coming out later this season. We, there are relatively few. There's Thor, there's there's Justice League, which is basically the Avengers sideways. The, these, these things <laughs> are... I'm so tired of all the same stuff. Yeah, and, and you're going to get more of it. Second question, mm-hmm. three movies to look forward to. As we head into the fall and winter. All right. You got to understand you're talking to a movie critic. I'm, I'm interested <laughs> in the things that are not like everything else. Okay. Yes. Wonderstruck. What is that Which is about? by Todd Haynes. It's about two children. One of them, one of the stories is told in black and white because it happened 50 years ago. The other one is told in color because it's happening now. Hmm. Um, and he's weaving it together. Todd Haynes is the guy who made Far From Heaven. He made a whole bunch of other movies. He's an extraordinary filmmaker, a period filmmaker guy. Uh, Suburbicon, which was scripted by the Cone Brothers and directed by George Clooney. Who's in that one? Uh, Matt Damon is in it. Um, it looks really strange. <sighs> You're not into Matt Damon. Seriously just, strange. Uh, Why are we not into Matt Damon? That's new. I like that he married a bartender. Great, good on him. Yeah. <laughs> just, I think that's, I mean, I don't watch any of his movies. He's just not but... my jam. I feel like, and this is unfortunate, I'm becoming more known on this show for what I hate as opposed to what I love. Really? But he's a hater. And I don't he's hate a hater. What are you going to do? I don't hate Matt Damon, but I'm neutral on the guy. I'm not like <laughs> rooting to see him do stuff in theaters. Yeah, I did like the Bourne trilogy, whatever. That was How fine. do you feel about Ben Affleck? Don't even get me yeah, started. Let's not go there. <laughs> Isn't he? He's Batman, right? Well, the worst uh, he is Batman. Batman. Um, I, 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 there. I, I have a list of worst Batmans. Did you give us three movies yet? I gave you two. Um, let me see. A third one. I'm still writing my piece for, for Monday. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. A third one I'm looking forward to is... Oh, what geez. I'm most excited about this fall mm-hmm. is It. Oh. That's fair. I really want to see it. The trailer it, is awesome. Do you remember back in the day It was two videos? Two different oh, cassettes. Oh, yeah. You had to watch it on two different VHS Because <laughs> it was a little miniseries. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, movies, movies everywhere. Uh, follow Bob Mondello on Twitter for the latest on film. Oh, that would be wonderful. I'm trying to get Bob my numbers Mondello? out. I am at Bob underscore Mondello. Okay. Okay. I follow you. Who's got Bob Mondello all one? I don't know. How no, dare they? Find that guy. We need to find him. <laughs> yes, yes. And unseat him. Thanks, Bob. Movies are great. My pleasure. Katie, you're next. You had this amazing story on the front page of the Times over the weekend. Oh, yeah, on like last Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want you to talk about it with us today. It was all about how you basically embedded (laughs) in the Washington, D.C. Trump Hotel for what, a few weeks? No, it was only a week. Okay, well, it It felt like like a few few weeks. weeks. (laughs) It felt like (laughs) eternity. So this is the Trump Hotel, which is just down Pennsylvania Avenue from the White House. And it is a gathering ground, a meeting place of 
all those kind of up in Trump's circle. Yeah. What did you see? So I started going, it was right at the end of the Scaramucci era. Who's uh, that? First, who is that? I mean, <laughs> Former it's, it's actually, only lasted about actually a week, that's sort it? of true because who is that? That was yes. a month ago. Anthony Scaramucci and so was much, supposed to be White House, White House comms, comms, comms director, director. And he was actually fired before his official first day. Before or on his first, who knows? <laughs> he, he lasted, I think, 10 days. That sort of kicked off this week of visiting because over the weeks before before that, we had heard, you know, Corey Lewandowski and Anthony Scaramucci and Rudy Giuliani and all of these characters are hanging out in the lobby, just taking photos and posing for selfies and hanging out late yeah. night. And it was just sort of like the, the premise was this is also out in the open. Mm-hmm. We know we should do something. So let's just go and see what happens. And so, there's this whole sheen of... Is this or isn't this ethical? Like, are people yeah. spending money right. at Trump Hotel to curry favor with the president? Yeah. I mean, it's the, the Trump organization is the subject of a lawsuit by a, a group of lawyers called Crew. Their issue is that the hotel and other properties are accepting payments from foreign governments. That's the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. So anyway, there are all of these ethical questions about the Trump International Hotel. And, and I think the sort of lobbyists hang out there, journalists hang out there. Trump campaign aides hang out there. Eric Trump was there for a couple evenings that week. He was back and forth. He went to a rally in West Virginia, came back, hung out, um, sat with journalists, and he was sitting with spokespeople for people who work in Congress. You can just sort of see all these connections play out right in front of you. What's the the devil's advocate? Yeah. Is this really different from what used to happen at the Willard when... Yeah, so when... that's that's a point that, you know, I talked to Richard Painter, who was an ethics counsel during the Bush administration. He's, he works for Crew now. Mm-hmm. You know, he says it's the same old cesspool that has always existed in Washington, mm. except now the president's company is getting a cut. And now, you know, when I think about the Trump Hotel, I was in the lobby once. It's very ornate. Mm-hmm. Now it seems a lot of the wheeling and dealing that used to be a little discreet is just out in the open. And yeah. people are proud of it in a certain way. They want to seen and be seen very publicly there. What is the mood in that space? What does it feel like? Does it feel like a um, high school dance? Does it feel like a mall? What it, does feels it feel like, like a movie set. It feels like a movie set. It feels How like so? a movie set because you can walk in. And one night I was there and Eric Trump was literally, he was sitting in a chair facing the entrance. So if you walked he was in, just like greeting people. you could... He wasn't greeting people, but he could have. Like he, <laughs> like he was Walmart facing greeter. the entrance, <laughs> and it's like for somebody, he's the son of. He's not in politics. He's running the Trump organization, but he's the son of the sitting president. And he's and, just hanging out in the hotel lobby. And people, yeah, and and if he got up and walked around the room to take pictures with loyalists, which he did, people sort of craned their necks to look and stare, and uh-huh. it feels like everyone's there, sort of playing their part. And and honestly. I'm playing as as a journalist. I was not the only journalist hanging out there. Yeah, there were there was a group the first night I went because they were on Scaramucci Watch, camped out on a set of couches in the lobby. Basically, they should have just opened their laptops and started making calls. <laughs> I mean, you can work as a journalist in oh that lobby goodness. when all of this stuff is there is, free Wi-Fi. I actually did not check because I did not bring my laptop. I was I was sort of just I was surprised actually by how much I saw and how many different characters all playing yeah. their little parts. What this will your... be a movie someday. You know that. I think I mean, so. There, oh, yeah. It will be. It will be. And it's just interesting to hear you talk <clears throat> about the conflicts of interest raised by the hotel. In a week full of Harvey, it was maybe easy to forget that there are still multiple investigations into the Trump White House, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. campaign ties to Russia. Like, Well, today the president, I, uh, President Trump tweeted about uh, James Comey, Comey again. It's, yeah. I mean, in a Russia-free week. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's still there. And it still feels like there could be shoes that drop from this Mueller investigation that we just don't know yet. If you want to read Katie's story, which is great, uh, the headline is, Katie? Trump Hotel at Night. So I spent spent a few evenings there, sort of a, you know, midnight in the garden of the swamp kind of (laughs) of piece. Yeah. Well, my story is much shorter. In fact, my story is six seconds long. Mm -hmm. Do you know what's six seconds long right now? TV commercials. Yeah, that, but also TV commercials during NFL games. Starting this September, there are going to be six second commercials in NFL games. Isn't that a vine? It's a vine. It's basically a vine. vine. R.I.P. Vine. God, I miss Vine. I do too. So anyways, this has been a thing that's been percolating for a while. Back 
in August uh, during the Teen Choice Awards. Commercial makers tried a few of these, but that was a much smaller audience, some 2 million people. This fall, Fox wants to make it go big. And my thinking with this is like this is just more evidence of how the way we watch TV and other things on our smart devices has influenced and will influence how we watch things on old school TVs. What is the rationale for a, a six second commercial? Presumably they can sell it. More cheaper. money. Right. Uh, it's not yet clear how much cheaper they'll be. But the thinking is like people are already skipping commercial breaks. They hate them. Mm-hmm. They're used to experiences like Netflix where they can totally be without them. They think that the only way to get you is to just do it as quickly as possible. You know, it's really interesting when they did this during the Teen Choice Awards before the host of the award show went to break. He said, we'll be back in 30 seconds. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> then they go to the break and there's a little caption that says, we'll be back in 30 seconds. And then they play a six second ad. I actually want to play the sound of one of those ads for you guys right now. Let's do it. Give me a G. Give me an O. Hot mess. Eat a Snickers. That's it. <laughs> so it's this cheerleader holding up two letters that aren't G or O. She gets the letters wrong and it goes, have a Snickers. Give me a G. Give me an O. Hot mess. Eat a Snickers. Did that convince you in six seconds to buy a Snickers bar? No. Uh, no, it didn't <laughs> I did do it for like me. that. Remember that there was a one second commercial? Whoa. It was Miller High Life, I think. Oh, you and lost it was me just in Miller High Life. the guy going, High Life. <laughs> <laughs> you would recognize the guy from yeah. these commercials. But, uh. I actually like long form. And, I, you know, every once in a while when a, when a commercial seems to be going on forever and I realize that somebody has bought 60 seconds as a commercial as opposed to 30 seconds, which is everybody else, I think they can be more interesting. They can. You, know? you ever watch Hulu when it? When it gives you the option, watch the three-minute commercial oh, or yeah. go. And I'm with like, them. no, I can't and do that. I, I, can't. I, I always pick the long one and then leave the room and come back like a half <laughs> See, hour later. The They're worried about people leaving the room. Yeah. And in six seconds, you haven't this, left the room yet. You know, what's also interesting, as the NFL is doing these six-second ads, they are dealing with really, really decreased viewership. Mm. Last season, viewership was down by double digits. Uh, also, people are saying the games are too long. So, I mean, I'll be interested to see how this works out. It's Wait, just crazy, though. Wait, is this the Super though. Bowl? Just all NFL games. All NFL. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're done with our stories. Uh, before we take one more quick break, I have a special message for our listeners If you like this show and get it from Apple Podcasts, there's a thing you can do for me. Is this Boys to Men? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Boys to Men voice. Girl, you know we belong together. All you listeners out there, if you can hear my voice, I want you right now to take some time, go to Apple Podcasts, and leave It's Been a Minute a review. (laughs) You know I need you. Help us help you. Write that review. I don't care how many stars. I don't care how long. Just write it. We need you. Bless. It's really weird to make eye contact with you right now. (laughs) That was the lowest my voice can get. (laughs) So anyway, seriously though, um, all you listeners... The more Apple Podcast reviews we get, the better it is for the show, and it actually helps new people find the show. So do me a solid. In my best boys to men voice, I'm asking you, leave us a review. Thanks. I feel very relaxed. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Time for one more quick break. When we come back, we'll play my favorite game. Who said that? Oh, and... yay. <laughs> Whoa, Katie was I'm ready for so who said that. so good at this. You are actually good at this game. Okay. We'll also hear from our listeners telling us the best things that happened to them all week. BRB. Support for this podcast and the following message come from ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is committed to helping employers build great companies by making it easy to find and hire top talent. Using advanced matching technology, ZipRecruiter actively connects employers with qualified candidates in any city or industry nationwide. In fact, 80% of jobs on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just one day. Try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com minute. Support also comes from Sunbasket. Sunbasket sends organic and sustainable ingredients to your door, pre-measured and ready to go, so you can prepare delicious meals in around 30 minutes. Sunbasket takes the guesswork out of preparation, makes cleanup easier, and you get to skip the grocery store. With meals designed to fit every busy lifestyle, choose from paleo, lean and clean, gluten-free, vegetarian, and family options. 
Get $35 off your first order at sunbasket.com slash minute. I'm Linda Holmes. And I'm Stephen Thompson. There's more stuff to watch and read these days than any one person can get to. That's why we make Pop Culture Happy Hour. Twice a week, we sort through the nonsense, share reactions, and give you the lowdown on what's worth your precious time and what's not. Find Pop Culture Happy Hour on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with Bob Mondello, who covers movies for NPR, and Katie Rogers, who covers literally everything for the New York Times. Literally. Now it's time for my favorite game. It is called... Who said that? So it's really simple. I share a quote from the week. You guys have to guess who said that. We'll do a few today. The winner gets absolutely nothing. Perfect. Mm. Oh, yeah. First quote. Ready? One problem with eating like Tom Brady is that nobody wants to eat like Tom Brady with you. Who said that? Tom Brady? No. Oh, man. Bob? I have not a clue. Giselle? No. Um, this was Tom from Brady's a, nutritionist. It's you're know. getting close. A Boston Globe reporter uh, wrote a story this week. Called, or How was I going to guess that? I well, <laughs> you're supposed to be up on the I culture. I need Brad Pitt or George Clooney or Miley. <laughs> <laughs> That's the extent of it. There was this Boston Globe piece a few days ago called "I Ate Like Tom Brady, So You Don't Have To," written by a writer named Deborah First. It's a great story. She basically signed up for Tom Brady's special meal delivery system. Like a Blue Apron style kind of meal delivery huh. thing called TB12. Oh, so and, it's not like what he actually eats. He's well, he says talking. it is. He says it, he says that it's actually what he eats. He's lying. <laughs> um, he says it's what Giselle he eats. Giselle doesn't and let him it? eat nightshades or dairy. This is, they this have is that it. Crazy... Well, listen, listen. So okay. the, the the diet is described as high protein, 100% plant based, gluten free, low use of refined sugars, low use of soy, free of highly processed ingredients, and as Katie said, free no of nightshades. <laughs> No nightshades. Although uh, nightshades are what exactly? Tomatoes, eggplants. I don't know what else. They were all thought to be poisonous. Why can't you eat tomatoes? Uh, they were thought to be poisonous Poison- originally. To, what, what did they do to you? Apparently they, well, they, they inflame you. Fried green tomatoes were good enough for my mother and my father. They're and I'm good a good Italian boy. Without a t- without tomatoes, we would not have sauce. Are all Italians inflamed? I don't think so. <laughs> you don't look inflamed, Bob. <laughs> At the moment. <laughs> Still early. So anyways, like she did this diet for a week and there was some weird ingredients and like her husband hated the food. And there was one. It was like a pizza where the crust was like mung bean or something. It was so just like, come on. Very I don't think Tom Brady eats like that. You can't be an NFL player. Yeah, this is all lies. You need to eat some steak, buddy. Next quote. Stop lying to us in the name of wellness. (laughs) Exactly. Next quote. Therefore, I have decided to step down so the role can be cast appropriately. Oh, the oh, guy yes. that did that. Oh, oh you know this you guy. guy. No, I, I don't. I don't well, know his name. First? Who had it first? Who had it first? No, you have a name. I don't have a name. Something writer, ghost writer. No. <laughs> <laughs> Daredevil. It's like one of those no. names. Um, Hellboy. Yes. Okay, yeah. I did it. Oh, this was uh, an actor, Ed Skrein. He was an actor who had accepted a role in Hellboy, but then turned it down. Yeah. He said in a statement. I accepted the role unaware that the character in the original comics was of mixed Asian heritage. Goes on to say, it is clear that representing this character in a culturally accurate way holds significance for people and that to neglect this responsibility would continue a worrying tendency to obscure ethnic and minority stories and voices in the arts. Therefore, I've decided to step down. Will we see more of this, Bob? Of people stepping away. Yeah, yeah. I hope what we see is more of Hollywood right casting hires. responsibly in the first yeah. place. That would make more sense. Well, there was all this Hufflepuff over who to cast for the live action Aladdin. And it's like Hufflepuff. all of Brown Twitter was like, mm-hmm. we have people. Yeah. <laughs> Look yeah. over here. There's a lot of us. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they found someone. They did. So. They did. All right. Who's winning, Brent? <laughs> Definitely not Bob. <laughs> I mean, that's. Katie's I didn't even, I'm going to say that's not even really a Bob, win for me. But if, if you get this last one, Bob, you get all the points. No, no, no. That that, that wouldn't be I'm fair. I already fair. took yours. <laughs> <laughs> last quote: His favorite color was actually orange. Who said that? <sighs> His favorite color was actually orange. Who died that had a name in like Vita Blue? Color in their name? <laughs> Who died that had a color? Come on, uh, y'all. Come on, y'all. Who had a color? Jerry Lewis. What was his color? I don't know. Who, who, who had a color? There's one artist where you know they have a color. 
Bob Ross. No, he died. Get out of my house. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor in purple. Oh, Elizabeth Taylor is a good one. She had purple eyes, so she died eight years ago. Purple. Who had a color? Purple Prince. Yes. But he died. But who? He died like a year ago. (laughs) Y'all don't want to work with me on these. I try so hard. Prince's favorite color was orange. I work. Brent and I work hard. I mean, my first thought. My first thought was Prince, honestly. Why did you say? Because I thought we were doing like a week, a week ago. Prince's sister. I'm trying to think of people who died. Prince's sister said this. Okay. This week. Let me tell you the backstory. Yes. Prince's sister, Tika Nelson, she was talking about Prince in an interview to The Evening Standard, the paper in the UK. And she was talking about the first official exhibition about Prince since his death, which opens in the UK in October. Got a lot of artifacts that have never been seen before. Okay. But over the course of the interview, she revealed that the purple one's favorite color was, in fact, not purple, which hurt my heart. Uh, She said, quote, That's so Prince. (laughs) It is so Prince. (laughs) I love that. He says, I don't know that I have a favorite color. I would have to think about that. Do I have a favorite? Do you have a favorite color? It I never guess. occurred to me to have a favorite I like color. Blue. I like blue. I have I like no objection blue. to blue, but. <laughs> That's how I feel about blue. It's like I could be with, I could roll with blue anytime, but orange, it's like I have to be in the mood for, you know? The rails are over there. We're over here. Yeah. <laughs> we got off at some I just want to say for the record that I did get Prince. It, I just thought there was a news peg there uh, that. You're, you're... You won either way. Let me read what the sister said in her full quote. Okay. Sorry. She said, the stand, <laughs> it's okay. Don't apologize. <laughs> Don't apologize. This is a family. Okay. No right. apologies. You just said get out of my house. So I feel, <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I need to say. All right. Sorry. The sister, Tika Nelson, said, the standout piece for me is his orange cloud guitar. It is strange because people always associate the color purple with Prince, but his favorite color was actually orange. So more proof that 2017 is a year where everything I believe in turns to dust. Totally. Yeah. I believed in purple. I mean, he I clearly no liked purple, Sam. But it needed to purple be Purple and favorite. orange look really good together. Do they? No, they yes. don't. They, if it's they Halloween. Do. I'm sorry, purple, purple and, and orange. Yes. I've never seen you wearing purple and orange around the office, Bob. I don't have anything that's... Well, I could. I don't I'll, want do it, I'll do it tomorrow. No, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it tomorrow. You're going to be in the office Saturday. Saturday. I'll come in... Oh. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll do it Tuesday after after Labor Day. I'll come in Tuesday oh God, with a purple right shirt now. and pinky an orange swear. undershirt. Pinky swear. Pinky swear. Done. Oh, that sounds so bad. I'm going to do it. All right. We're going to get back on the rails now. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> All right. We're almost done. But before we go, a plug for Tuesday's episode. I talked with an amazing writer and novelist. Her name is Danzy Sinna. It's a very public radio name. Dancy. Mm-hmm. It is. She was great. She has a new novel out called New People. And it was basically a jumping off point for us to have a really big conversation all about race and this idea that no matter what race you are, it is something that we all kind of perform. Mm-hmm. Really interesting chat. Cinna told me this thing that she always thinks about people and race and who you are and being. She says, assume everyone you meet is passing. For something, you know, hmm. and her perspective is very interesting. Danzy is a black writer, but when you look at her, most people who see her, they think she's white. She can pass for white, mm-hmm. um, regardless of your race or whether you've read her new book or not. I think you'll enjoy it. Check your feedback on Tuesday. All right, all right. That sounds fascinating. It does. Oh, good. It's a good book. It's a good book. With that, let's end the show as we always do. Each week, I ask listeners to send us a recording of their own voice sharing the best thing that happened to them all week. We encourage them to brag. Cue tear ducks. Hi, Sam. My name is Alex, and I'm from Houston. It's been really, really difficult all week. Um, But aside from my parents being totally okay and not having any water in their house or anything, the very best thing was watching the people of Houston come together and take care of each other. My friends have been trying to volunteer places. They've been posting online, like, where can I volunteer? And they can't anywhere because there are too many volunteers. And my parents Mm. are trying to donate things, and they can't because all the shelters have too much stuff that people have given them. That's what makes Houston strong. And that's why I love my hometown is because we love each other. So... That's been the very best thing. That gave me chills. That was gorgeous. Yeah. This is Will from Okinawa, Japan, where I teach children of U.S. military members. And we just had our first full week of school. Yeah. I'm student teaching in middle and high school social studies, and I gave my first lesson today. I taught my first classes as an official assistant professor of management. Yeah. Mm. I teach at a community college in Fort Worth, Texas. 
and this week was the first week of school for us and the best thing that happened to me was that I asked my students to introduce themselves in class by telling me the best thing that happened to them oh, this week yeah. and I got a lot of great answers like I heard my baby's heartbeat for the first wow. time and I got a puppy and it was a really great way to meet my students so thanks for the inspiration. Wow. Hey Sam, this is Whitney and the best thing that happened to me this week is that I took a huge step in following my dreams and I officially moved to New York City. Yeah. My wow. best thing this week is that I bought my wedding dress. I settled on my new apartment. My husband was accepted into a three-month intensive woodworking program. Congrats. Cool. Right now, I am walking into the great Minnesota get-together, the Minnesota State Fair, where I'm going to eat a whole bunch of fried food yes. and act like a goofball yes. and maybe even enjoy an adult beverage or two. <laughs> Hi, Sam. This is Rita in Naperville, Illinois. This week, I finished my last chemotherapy after 18 months of continuous treatment for stage 3 breast cancer. I'm grateful that I'm still around to see my boys grow up, and I'm grateful for your show because it's fun and intelligent. Take care. Aww. Hi, Sam. My name is Jason. I'm in Fort Smith, Arkansas, a border town for Oklahoma, and the best thing that happened to me this week is uh, a couple weeks ago my bright and lovely pit bull boxer mix Sammy was uh, <gasps> we found some lumps on her and took oh, her no. to the vet and they said she had stage 2 cancer <gasps> they uh they removed all the lumps and uh you know Aww. they said just keep an eye on her uh, you know for anything else but uh uh, today is her seventh birthday, so Aww. the best thing that happened to me this week is I got to spend it with her. So thanks. Thanks, Sam. Have a great week. And have a wonderful weekend. Bye. Oh, man. I'm not crying. You're crying. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's chopping onions. Oh, thanks to yes. Alex from Houston. Uh, although we should mention that there are still plenty of ways to help out. Again, check for the link in our episode data. Uh, thanks to all our teachers teaching us throughout the world. Will, Remy, Stacy, Jean, uh, doing the best things in her classroom. We appreciate our educators and all that they do. Thanks to Whitney, Hannah, Catherine, second Catherine. Thanks to Matt. Thanks to Rita. So glad you're healthy. Mm -hmm. And Jason, I'm sending good vibes your way. I got a pit bull, too, and they're the sweetest dogs. I hope your puppy can get healthy, and I hope your pup has a great birthday. This is, this is every weekend. With just a like, puppy oh. cake. Yes. I give my dog steak. <laughs> if she's really good, I'm, I'll just make her a ribeye. <laughs> you hear that, Jason? <laughs> ribeye. All right. Brent and I listen to all of these that come in. We wish we had time to play them all. But know that when you hit send on those emails, it lands in our inbox, and we do hear it. Thank you all for sharing those. If you want to share your best thing all week, you can do so at any time throughout the week. Just record yourself and send the file to samsanders at npr.org. All right, mama, we made it. Bun B, take us out. We made it. Yeah. We did it. We did it. Um, this week, It's Been a Minute was edited by Uri Berliner and Neil Carruth. It was produced by Brent Bachman, whose own puppy, Salty, had a first birthday party last week Aww. in the park. The Instagrams are off the chain. What is Salty? Salty's Insta situation. What's the, what's the handle? At Salty Squires. S-A-L-T-Y-S-Q-U-I-R-E-S. -E all one word. This dog is second cutest to my dog. Now following. <laughs> Thank you guys for being here. Houston Thanks, Sam. and Thank all you. of Texas. I'm sending good vibes to my home state. I know those people. They're good, strong people. They will get through this. Um, all right, guys. Thank you for listening. Check Tuesday for Danzy Cinna. Bye. Take care. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. Hurting my heart and hanging over my head. By the realest these Texas streets have ever bred. CL Butler better known as Chad.